Hi guys, welcome to the latest episode of the Expositors Collective podcast. In this episode, I get to sit down with Bruce Zachary, who is a pastor of, I think, 25 or 26 years. Um, he is a uh, former uh, trial attorney. Um, he comes from a practicing Jewish background. And all of that just compiled together to make him like a very interesting guy. Um, in this conversation, you're going to notice a few different things. First thing you're going to notice is that this guy is smart. He is like super, super smart. Um, he's very strategic. He's very organized. He's very thoughtful. But in addition to his giant brain, also what you're going to see is that this guy loves Jesus very, very, very much. Um, and just his... Um, just his heart for the Lord really comes across as um, he and myself and Clay were, were having this conversation. You could really tell this guy loves Jesus very much. And so as we listen along, I think you're really going to learn and be inspired by Bruce as I have been in the past. I love when he starts comparing and contrasting the act of sermon preparation and delivery with the act of arguing a case before a judge. He points out some stuff that I think is very fascinating and um, really can be instructive um, for the rest of us. Um, at the conclusion of this um, interview, make sure you keep listening because there's a, a message from Brian Broderson um, telling you what takes place in our training weekends and also inviting you to our next one in Bradenton, Florida. Um, Thanks, guys. I hope this episode, as well as everything else that we do here at the Expositors Collective, um, inspires you and equips you for your personal Bible study and your public proclamation of God's Word. Hi, and... <laughs> yeah. Okay, three, two. We're not going to edit that either. No, we should leave that in. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the Expositors Collective podcast. We're here today with our dear friend Bruce Zachary, and here I have my co-host Mike Neglia. How are you doing today, Mike? Good. I'm actually the lead host, <laughs> Bruce. We're so glad to have you. How are you today? It is a privilege to be with you guys. I, I so respect what you're doing with this Expositors Collective, um, Mike. Play. You guys are incredibly gifted Bible teachers, and you've got a passion for Bible teaching, and you're encouraging and equipping others to do the same, and that's exciting. I just don't know what my part will be here. Hmm. <laughs> Not well, that I have anything to offer to the table. I, 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 have, I disagree, yeah. and you wouldn't be invited unless I, I really believe deeply that you had something to but share. Well, thank I do you have a face words. that's made for a podcast. That's <laughs> you do. That's, yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, in the future episodes, we're going to have Char Broderson on. I think he'll be our first like handsome guest. <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing communicator and just profound thinker as well as a, a proclaimer of truth, Char is. So yes. He will be a very noble guest. Yes. You might want to consider video for that broadcast. That's, yeah, that's one, to, that's one to look forward to. I, I think our, our listenership, or in that case, viewership, would go up exponentially. Yeah, yeah. Char Broderson, so hot right now. <laughs> anyway he's in the room um so well you know what who else is in the room bruce zachary mm. so bruce um i 
I think a good way to get to know somebody, and this is kind of just a, a preacher's question that I like. Um, could you take us back to like your very first sermon? Like, where was it? Do you remember the passage? Who are you preaching to? Yeah, I'd been playing softball with a group of guys from Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, who were really mature followers of Christ. And I remember like when we had the early game, and uh, one of the ladies said to her husband, who are you guys playing tonight? And uh, his response was the Christians. And she said, well, we're Christians. And his take was, not like these guys. And so at the end of the season, the guy who was coaching the team said, how do you guys feel about a home Bible study? And everybody's like, yeah, that'd be cool. And so he goes, Bruce, I think you're supposed to leave. And at that time, I'd only been a Christian for about five months. Wow. And hmm. um, I'd never been to a home Bible study. I had visions of people singing Kumbaya. Um, <laughs> but he said, look, all I want you to do is pray about it, because I know that you're the one who's supposed to do this. And so the Lord put on my heart to teach through the book of Ephesians. And that was where I began my first Bible study. And I remember right. before the study... Uh, I'd already been an attorney for years, and so that was my approach. I had the legal pad, fountain pen, of course. Um, what, kind of, what kind of fountain pen? At uh, that time, I think it was a waterman. I think uh, Jesus and the 11 used fountain pens. I think Judas was a rollerball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, wow. um, I can't confirm that. That's just a, a rabbinical tradition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I remember having pages and pages of notes mm. and a stack of commentaries that I'd purchased and combed over. And so I knew the passage backwards and forwards, but I also knew that God hadn't spoken a single word to me. Wow. The guy who played shortstop on the team said, hey, man, I don't know why, but God just told me to call you and tell you to read John 15. Hmm. Now, at that point, if he said, uh, God told me to tell you to jump off the roof, it's like, okay, bro, I'm going to do that right, <laughs> right now. So I immediately opened up to John 15 when I got to verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches, abide me, and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing wow. and I was a broken man I, I literally wept and one of the funny things about fountain pen ink it's water based mm. and so there were tears that spread on that paper and wow. left a mark and I took all those notes and I just put them aside and I got on my knees and I prayed and I took the fountain pen and it was as if God was just inspiring and, and moving and it was like having a, a symphony in your head that just came out on the paper and I knew that God had spoken. It was the first time I'd ever experienced that as a follower of Christ. And it wow. was powerful. And I, I still had no idea what I was doing as a Bible teacher in, in terms of the hermeneutics and yeah. some of the homiletics. And uh, But I'd experienced God speaking. I'd also experienced a gentle rebuke that, wow. hey, Bruce, you're trying to do it in your strength. And so, yeah, I remember where I was, wow. when I was. Yeah. And I was how, how long ago was that now, Bruce? Oh, gosh, now it's 30 years. Wow. 30 years. And wow. Back then I was six foot one and good looking. <laughs> and your, your listeners can only imagine what the 30 years of pastoral ministry have done for me. <laughs> Took a few inches off at least. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, that sounds like a, like a profound experience and, and, and lesson that applied certainly to that um, start of ministry. But yeah, but onwards and upwards and, and continually, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that, that I crave, and by the grace of God, what I get to do vocationally is to have considerable blocks of time mm. to pursue God in His Word and yeah. to hear Him speak. Great. And to me, oftentimes, I'll approach a portion of Scripture 
and it'll just seem like an enigma, you know, like this 1,000 piece jigsaw puzzle that says Siberian snowstorm. It's all white and <laughs> white. It's like, I, I can't figure out how the pieces fit together. And yeah. then you start to see the connection. You start to see the pieces fit together. And for me, hearing God speak to me in that way is priceless. Um, yeah. I, I, I rejoice that I have that opportunity to do it regularly week in and week out. Yeah. So, so Bruce, um, to, to run with that, uh, illustration of the thousand piece Siberian snowstorm jigsaw puzzle. When you, let's talk about your sermon preparation throughout the week and times when you have that jigsaw puzzle that seems insurmountable and times maybe when it's a little easier, what's your process and how do you, um, uh, as you were mentioning, allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and speak to you. And, you know, can you walk us through your process? As a, a ex-attorney, I imagine your process is pretty uh, meticulous. Um, well, let me put aside the attorney thought for a moment. And before I kind of describe the process, to me, the dynamic feels like uh, the cooking network show Chopped. Okay. Where you have this box of ingredients and everything that's in that box has to be used. And when you open that box, it's a yeah. surprise. There could be anchovies and maraschino cherries. And you're thinking, I don't know how I can make these work together. But you have to make them work together. Wow. And it's timed. And you have to present it well so it's not only pleasing to the palate but pleasing to the eye. Yeah. And so I liken being in pastoral ministry, teaching to Chopped. It's wow. timed. Uh, you have to use all the verses that are in the box. You can't say like, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't want, you can't be like one of those guys who says, I want to take a 30,000 foot view and not have to deal with yeah. this verse. You, you got to deal with all the verses in, yeah. in the context of the ministry where yeah. I, wow. I teach. And some of the passages, it's a little more challenging to figure out how the ingredients work together. And then yeah. trying to figure out having enough time margin left that you can present those ingredients in a way that is going to be stimulating and pleasing to all the senses. So for me, in light of that dynamic, I try to create margin. So mm -hmm. as soon as Sunday morning is done, if I'm not teaching the Sunday night service, I'm already looking ahead to the passage. And if I wow. get some buffer that I finished my message early this week, I, I want to start taking some margin time to start looking ahead. And the process begins with me with no commentaries. I'm just reading the passage, uh, still using a fountain pen. I'm <laughs> still using uh, paper. It's typically like a moleskin journal. I've, I've moved away from the yellow legal pads, but um, I'm focusing on observation. I, yeah. I think that uh, a lot of young teachers, especially uh, young in terms of experience more than chronology right. per se, are, are jumping to application. Yeah. So, um, I want to, for example, in John 15, if I see that that word abide is there 10 times, that should clue me in. There's something about abiding that's central to the text, as well as the idea of Jesus being the vine and uh, we, his followers, being the branches. If I'm looking at Hebrews 3 and 4 and I keep seeing this word rest repeated, mm -hmm. then I'm, I'm recognizing that there's something in here about rest that's probably crucial to the text more than simply the notion of unbelief. Yeah. But part of this, apart from thinking like an attorney, um, as a Jewish believer, mm. uh, I came to faith in Christ as a young adult at Calvary Costa Mesa at the college and career group, but I grew up as a Jew. And, and so my, my lens is shaped by that. I view things, uh, from a Jewish perspective. So when I'm saying rest, um, 
in Hebrews 3 and 4, uh, regardless of who we ascribe the book to, it's likely a Jew who's writing it. And right. so when he's talking rest, he's talking shalom. Mm. When John is writing and he's talking peace, he's not thinking Greek irene, he's thinking Hebrew shalom, wholeness, contentment. And so part of my thinking is colored that way. Um, for me, I'm, I'm trying to boil down what I think the text is saying, whether it's a few verses, a paragraph, several paragraphs, a chapter or more, that there's a common theme that's uniting that text. Mm. And if I can find that, that DNA that is yeah. running throughout that portion of scripture and identify it, then what I try to do is to distill it to its essence. If I can mm. state it in one or two sentences, this is what this passage of scripture is all about. Yeah. That's going to be the tent peg that's going to help me create the rest of the outline for the message and it guides me for example in genesis 39 looking at joseph and potiphar's wife i might teach that from the perspective of sexual temptation and the response of the godly and the ungodly mm. i might teach that from the perspective of god's sovereignty i might teach that from the perspective of when uh, bad things happen to seemingly good people through no apparent fault of their own mm. uh, but however i choose to focus that should impact my development of the text from my vantage point. Wow. And, and those three um, outlines or those three kind of titles, I, I think each of them are, are fairly true to the text. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you, you kind of select, how, how do you choose how to teach Genesis 39? Well, it, it might be in part how I've outlined the whole book for a teaching let's okay. say in 2018 that might have uh -huh. been different than how i approached it in 2003 yeah um that might be in part i may uh, develop it primarily regarding one and then secondarily bring mm -hmm. in some okay. of the application on okay. the other but i want it to be clear in terms of the development of the structure that there's got to be one uh, basic infrastructure to support the whole Okay. Um, so okay. part of the, the thinking for being an attorney, um, I was a trial attorney. So the, the thinking is you've got an opening argument and then everything in the main presentation of the case is supporting what you said in the opening argument. Mm -hmm. And then the closing argument is a stirring review and summation of all the evidence to prove your point. Wow. And, and so that makes it easy. I never for knew me that. To, yeah. <laughs> wow. You are such a, you have such an advantage coming into this. Yeah. Uh, being Jewish. Of course. I know. <laughs> Paul, Paul, no. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it helps for me to think that way um, mm -hmm. as a system. And the other thing is um, as a trial attorney, you're always anticipating what the other side is thinking in the yep. case they're wow. trying to develop. Yeah. So during your own presentation, your own uh, presentation of, of the evidence, you're refuting their arguments before they get to make them yeah. And, yeah. rather than trying to rebut them afterwards. And mm. so I, I think what are the people who are listening to this message, whether it's in real time, whether they're watching it on the web, whether they're listening to a CD, what's the objection that right. they're thinking to what I'm saying? Which, of course, we see the Apostle Paul doing in many of his epistles as well. And it's, yeah. It's lawyer thinking, Jewish yeah. lawyer thinking. Uh, yeah. yeah. Short yeah, Jewish lawyer thinking. Yeah, so, go ahead. Oh, no. After you. Yeah, you're the co-lead. You just <laughs> got Actually, yeah, you're, you're, the, you're the leader this time. <laughs> anyway, I, I was just going to ask, you know, 
unless I missed something, we talked about your, your observation and your time soaking in the text and things like that. Do you get after that point and you get your kind of big idea and, you know, the string of DNA, do you then approach commentaries and resources and things like that after that? Yeah. Uh, the second step for me after I, I identify what I think is the main theme or thesis or subject, um, I, I want to see if I can break this into logical parts. Uh, okay. You know, I've heard it said that not all great messages or not all messages have three points, but a lot of great ones do have three points. And if I could see some cluster, whether it's around two major ideas, three ideas in in terms of breaking it down that are related to the major idea, I want to try to develop that. And then uh, I will go in my notes to develop sub points that the audience never sees because I, I think in 2018, uh, speaking to millennials and Gen Z, um, they're looking for a narrative uh, presentation. But it helps me to have those subpoints in my mind in terms of an organization point. Okay. But it's kind of the operating system that's behind the screen that nobody sees as um, it flows as a very clear narrative for me. So then after I've worked out my outline, then I'm going to commentaries to uh, develop, uh, to capture nuances that I may have missed. Mm. Um, but I, I, I like it's spiritually stimulating for me, intellectually stimulating for me to approach it without the commentaries at first and, and yeah. just to marvel at yeah. things that I hadn't seen before. I mean, I just recently uh, finished teaching first John and when I was teaching uh, the second chapter at verse 25 and John says, this is the promise that God has promised us eternal life. And it was that little article, the, the promise. In other words, this one is set apart as an apex among mm. all the promises. Wow. Yeah. And, and just, I, I mean, I've been teaching the Bible for a long time. And it's like, yeah. I love that to see things that I'd never seen before. But it, it wasn't because Dave Guzik had seen it That's before right. or Mike Neglia uh-huh. or Clay Worrell that God revealed it to me. And yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's and, and that, that really is the most responsible way. And we, we've we've been, you know, interviewing several different Bible teachers that, that will be on previous episode, episodes of this podcast. And, and we've seen that as a consistent string, that, that approaching the Scripture alone first, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak a fresh word to you before approaching the, the the commentaries because otherwise I mean I've done it before in my preaching career especially early on where if I, st- I started with the commentaries and it's very very difficult not to just like copy and paste and regurgitate something somebody else had and where's the room for the spirit to speak directly to you at that point which is one of the reasons why I'm pretty fundamentally against um, uh, study Bibles you know, where it's the text of the scripture with commentary in the pages of the Bibles. I, I, I frequently um, encourage people to not uh, use that as their primary Bible because it just it, it takes away that. Yeah, I, I think generally speaking for the typical congregants, so to speak, the, the general follower of Christ, study Bibles. I praise God for study Bibles. Okay. I mean, God used a study Bible to bring me to look, but I would never use. Why would you be opposed to that, Clay? Thank you. But I wholeheartedly agree with you. As a teacher, I, I never I never want to be distracted by commentary yeah. until I've heard from the Lord. And then I could say, am I hearing correctly? Or is there something that's amiss that right. I need to add? And I agree with you. And I think um, 
you can be a fantastic communicator. Mm -hmm. If you've got that gift and that dynamic personality, a charismatic personality in the, the secular sense, and you can then because of that gift, get on a platform and articulate what someone else has thought, hmm. articulate what someone else has said, sure. and actually articulate it better than they did. And people hmm. will affirm, right. people will applaud, people will be drawn. Um, but I think it's super unhealthy. It, it, it breeds a lot of unhealthiness. And because it, it's so much easier than the work of mining the scripture. Mm. Uh, people are loath sometimes to do the work and they get ripped off of hearing God speak to them. Mm. I mean, to me that, that is when I, I'm just struggling, Lord, what are you trying to say? What does this mean? I don't get it. How do these pieces fit together? And I keep pressing in and, and it could be, you know, in the shower, it could be brushing my teeth. Mm. It could be eating a burrito. And it's like, aha, I get it that that epiphany moment and yep. I I wouldn't trade the the riches that uh, I could have experienced practicing law for the blessing that I have as a Bible teacher. Yeah, praise God. Oh well. Yeah. Well, as as you said, you've been doing this for for a, a long time and uh, one of the purposes of this podcast and the Expositors Collective in general is to equip and to train and to encourage um, younger or new uh, Bible teachers. So, maybe would you like to just speak to the, the, the younger listeners or the newer Bible teachers? Um, what are maybe some mistakes that you see, um, some things that maybe you it took a few, a few years to learn? Like, what, what should the younger generation of teachers and preachers hear from yeah. you? Undoubtedly, it, we're going to be reminded that you need to have your own voice. Don't copy a style of your favorite preacher or your, your senior pastor. Um, develop your, your own style, but recognize the, the importance of understanding hermeneutics and homiletics, mm -hmm. the, the principles of, of interpreting the scripture. Uh, because oftentimes um, you, you're starting in an environment where there isn't a high degree of accountability accountability in terms of the hermeneutic. Would you define those two terms for a listener that might not be familiar with them? Yeah. Uh, homiletics, we would describe it as that art of communicating the text, preaching the text. And there are certain skills that can be developed there to make us more effective in that. And then hermeneutics would be the, the uh, study of the interpretation of the text to have an orthodox interpretation that we don't wanted to say what we'd like it to say. We right. want to communicate so people can understand the word of God and then apply it to their lives. I think uh, most young pastors would greatly benefit to have a mentor identified. Mm, okay. Ideally in, in a system where the lead pastor who's primarily teaching uh, receives critique from others because that creates an ideal system where other pastors, younger pastors or, or older or peers are critiquing the senior pastor and yeah. that that creates a culture then where everyone's expecting to be critiqued and to get yeah. meaningful feedback more yeah. than just hey good job or yeah mm. that was a real blessing or yeah everybody like that but to say uh, hey that illustration didn't work here yeah that cross-reference I, I don't think that was the right cross-reference for this passage uh you misquoted that and, and no <laughs> yeah. c.s lewis never said that that mm. wasn't anything c.s lewis said yeah. um to get some some meaningful feedback as well as hey really nice transitions i liked your introduction so um we, we do a teacher training school in our local church where 
We will spend eight weeks talking about hermeneutic and wow. homiletic principles. Great. And then we'll have a teaching rotation team where uh, teachers present 35-minute messages, and then they'll get feedback from their peers as well as two of the staff pastors. Wonderful. And I think that kind of model, if, if people can find it either through yeah. an expositor's collective mentor or a, another place, I, I don't think that we do, generally speaking, a really good job in the church of giving meaningful feedback yeah, to trained teachers. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd, heard, I'd heard a rumor of your your kind of training method. And it sounds like a, a fully fleshed out version of, of the Expositors Collective. Like we try to do like a short, condensed, powerful thing, um, uh, espresso, you know, um, whereas yours is a, a slow brewed drip Chemex. Um, oh, you're that... making me thirsty, yeah. bro. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I'm, so, I'm thirsty. Yes. But we should be creating cultures like this yeah. in the local church. This should not be atypical. It, it should not be unusual. It, it's it's yeah. something, for example, if, if you had a high school pastor or college pastor, associate pastor who was teaching and the lead pastor watched the video or listened to the CD and actually went from start to finish and gave meaningful critique yeah. that would help. And, and if we can create that kind of culture yeah. in our churches, I think it will help a lot of young men to develop yeah. as teachers. Yeah, and, and just an encouragement to our listener who who maybe hears that and says, "Yeah, I I want that, but I don't know how I could get that where I'm at." Um, you know, I, I I would encourage you to 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 go out and find it, create it for yourself. I mean, even um, Mike and myself were part of a group of a few guys through a uh, um, app called Voxer, uh, which is on you know smartphones. It's a kind of a walkie-talkie app, and we called it the Preach Better Club. Remember, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Where it's 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 not really in existence anymore, but for a good amount of time, uh, we would go and it was a handful of us preachers. We listen to one another's sermons and give give honest feedback back and forth. Yeah, and one, it, was, it would be one person's week. That's and correct. So they would post yeah. they would post a link to like their most recent message, mm-hmm, that's and right. then there'd be yeah five six of us that would listen to it and then give feedback to that. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know. It, Oftentimes we we have not because we ask not, and and so I would encourage young listeners to to go and look for whether it be peers, mentors, your pastor, somebody you look up to, and it doesn't hurt to ask. And I'll tell you what, if if um, um, if somebody came and asked me to to be that in their life, I, I would be delighted to. Um, so we we've taken resources the the studies that we use on hermeneutics, homiletics, the uh, teacher. A training critique form and we have made those available on the Calvary Church Planning Network website Wonderful. and the Church Leaders, uh, dot org website so they're available for people who would want yeah. to use them and we'll link those in the show notes for sure yeah excellent um, so it's been great to learn about how you prepare a message for those that would like to hear how you teach a message where, where can people um, listen to your your teachings I think you've mentioned that there's a for those who want to experience the fellowship of the suffering, it's uh, <laughs> Okay. So, and if there were questions, people could email me directly at bruce at calvarynexus.org, and I'd be happy to try to respond as, to as many or all of them as soon as I possibly can. But calvarynexus.org, that's where all the sermons are archived, the videos are there, and wow. all the study notes are available as well. Yeah, what a blessing. And, and I, I so encourage you to check that out because Bruce, you 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 have just a wealth of um, information and a great resource. Um, and I, I Bellochurch Church dot org is a great website. Yeah, it's a, so much free stuff available. It's really good. Yeah, 
absolutely. We've, we've both benefited so much from, from this man, and we encourage you to as well. So uh, that's our time uh, for today. Uh, thank you again, Bruce, for being here. Um, it's been a real privilege. Privilege, And uh, for those of you who are listening, if you want to check out more about the Expositors Collective, go to expositorscollective.com. And uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, I want to talk to you about Expositors Collective. This is Pastor Brian Broderson, and I've been involved in two of the Expositors Collectives up until this point in Southern California and also in Denver. And these are really amazing times for uh, young men and women who have a desire to teach and preach God's Word to get some practical instruction and some hands-on experience as well. So uh, we have a number of, of lectures surrounding preaching and teaching, and then we break into small groups where we can discuss the, the topic and, and kind of, you know, just give some counsel and advice. And, and even each person in the group gets an opportunity to put together a little outline and to do a preaching themselves. And then, you know, we just kind of talk about what that message was like and give some constructive criticism if necessary. But, you know, it, it's really in my experience, been a great time. I've, I've enjoyed it. And I think those that have participated have enjoyed it as well. So we're having a third Expositors Collective in Bradenton, Florida. And that's going to be November 30th through December 1st of 2018. And we're really looking forward to that. And so we'd love to invite you out. You can register for that at expositorscollective.com. Uh, so once again, if you're between 18 and 34 and you're either already preaching or you're uh, wanting to preach at some point, that's just a desire that you have. Uh, come on out and get some practical encouragement and equipping. So uh, November 30th through December 1st, Bradenton, Florida, and um, hope to see you there, expositorscollective.com. Thank you.